series that we started titled Real Love. And we're looking at what the Bible defines as love. We're looking at the majestic, all-powerful, freeing and liberating love of the Savior. I've chosen this week the book of Philemon as an interesting text in the middle of this sermon. And um, before we read the text, I want you to understand something that really makes the book of Philemon um, unique. All of your other books in the New Testament were written for the purpose of teaching doctrine. Whether it was Paul writing the pastoral epistles and Paul was telling Timothy and Titus how to maintain the affairs of the church, how to function as men of ministry, whether he was writing the churches, um, whether it be Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and so on. They were written for the purpose of teaching the church. The book of Philemon is not such. There are many who felt like because of that, it should not even be in the New Testament. But I believe by the time we're done today, we will see exactly why it was, at, it was accepted as Holy Spirit inspired. But what is this particular 25 verses that we're about to read? It is literally a letter. A letter that was put in the hands of a slave by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus had run away from his duties. He had run away from his commitment. He had run away from his master Philemon. And when he had run away, he ended up by the sovereignty of God meeting the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul led Onesimus into a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then Paul sends Onesimus back to where he came from with a letter in his hands stating that this man has been changed. As Onesimus went back home where he had come from, as Onesimus went back to face Philemon, the only thing standing between his punishment, which may have been death, and his freedom was the letter that we're about to read. The very words that we're about to read are the exact letter that Onesimus had in his hand as he was headed home to face Philemon. So let's read this letter together. It is simply 25 verses. I'm not going to be preaching on the entire 25 this morning, but because the fact it is only 25 verses, I want to read it in its entirety. So let's read our text this morning. The book of Philemon says this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints 
that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Now Paul gets to what he's actually writing about. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as partner, receive me as you would, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Lord, we're so grateful for your spirit that we have experienced in this place. We're grateful for the opportunity to come and worship you. Grateful for the Word of God. Grateful, Father, for the reading of Your Word. Father, we humbly confess that we need You. We need You to help us to understand. We need You to help us to see. You are the life giver. Lord, this morning we pray that You would breathe the breath of life upon us. God, we pray that You would move on hearts. We pray that this morning You would challenge us, that You would change us. God, that we would see You in a greater capacity than we did when we came in. Lord, I ask now that You would help me to preach in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, not in man's wisdom or in man's strength, Father, but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of the living God. Move on hearts this morning. Have Your way. Be lifted up and exalted. Save the lost, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look especially at verse 9. Yet for love's sake... Paul says, I have a request of you. And he started off by saying, I command you in verse 8. He said, I might be very bold in Christ to command what is fitting. In other words, 
to command you to do what is right. However, he says, I'm going to appeal, not based upon what is necessarily right, not based upon the command, not based upon my authority, but I am going to appeal based upon my love, based upon love in itself, based upon the love of God, based upon the love that is within you. I'm going to appeal to that portion of our faith. I'm going to appeal to that portion of God in you that when He comes home, you receive Him. This morning, Onesimus was running around. He, we don't know why. There's a lot of things that we can speculate this morning, and uh, there's really not any need to do that, to take from the text that which is already there. But what we do know is that for some reason, Onesimus left Philemon. For some reason, Onesimus was no longer pleased with the arrangement. He was no longer satisfied with how things were going. And so he made the decision to up and run. Now, slavery is certainly something that is not uh, endorsed by the Bible. But you need to understand that in Bible times, slavery often had a much different connotation than our modern mindset has of slavery. Slavery was something that a person could choose to enter into. Maybe they did not have any uh, inheritance. They had no place to live. They had no real way of accumulating wealth. They had no real way of, of being cared for and their family being cared for. And what a person could do is make a decision to join a master, to become, in essence, his laborer. And the payment for his labor was a place to live. It was food on the table. It was safety. It was, it was some form of security. Now, we do not know if this was the case with Onesimus. We also find that at times, that, that sometimes somebody would become indebted to another. And if that person was in debt to another and was unable to pay the debt, that person would then become the slave of the one whom he owed until the debt was paid. We see the idea, for example, in Proverbs 22 and verse 7, which tells us that the, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. And so this word slave, this word servant, can have a much bigger meaning and have a much wider application than what we think of when we think of forced slavery. More than likely, that was the case with Onesimus when we understand the character of Philemon. When we understand that Philemon uh, had a church in his house, that he submitted to the rules and the regulations of, of the first century church. When, when we understand this about Philemon, then it, it lends credibility to the, to the idea that Onesimus had a role in becoming Philemon's slave. And the Bible does not tell us why, but Onesimus eventually decided he was no longer ready for this deal. You see, Onesimus is really a picture of the human race. He represents all of us in some capacity. The human race, we have got ourselves into a mess that we had not really intended to get into. And we found ourselves slaves to sin. We found that we had a debt that we could not pay. 
And like most slaves, eventually we decide that we don't want to be here anymore. We don't want to be slave to this world anymore. We don't want to be slave to the old devil anymore. We don't want to be slave to our own selfish passions and lust. And often what we do is the same thing that Onesimus did. We decide we're going to try to run away, thinking that somehow if we can get away from this place, Somehow, if I can get away from my circumstances, somehow, if I can get away from this family, somehow, if I can get away from this woman, or from this man, or from this job, or from this circumstance, and I can find new pastures, there I will be free. And this was Onesimus. He was running. Lost. One of the things about a slave on the run is that he lives in constant fear. Always fearful he's going to be found out where he is. Always fearful that the old master is going to find him and track him down and bring him back. This was the story of millions that stood at the Red Sea waiting for the sea to part and Pharaoh's army on the other side with nowhere to go. And they begin to think back to the time that they were slaves. And they begin to say, it had been better that we were just slaves than that we died here. There's something terrifying about being a slave on the run. So what happens when you begin to tell lies? You become a slave on the run. Afraid your lies are going to find you out. And so you tell another one to try to keep you clean. And then you tell another one. And then you tell another one. And you find yourself just running in circles, terrified that eventually the truth is going to come out. I've seen people make terrible, sinful decisions. And then know that now they're a slave to the consequences of their actions. And so they run and they run away and they try to get new friends and they try to get in a new lifestyle and they try to put themselves in this position to that position. But ultimately, until we are freed from slavery, until the debt has been paid, until somebody can say whatever he owes you, charge it to my account, we as a human race will constantly try to outrun sin. We will constantly try to find freedom only to know that at the slightest lust, at the slightest hint of greed, that when opportunity presents itself, that when temptation is staring down our face, that when temptation is all around us, it will only be a matter of time that the slave nature inside of us grabs a hold of us and brings us back into the bondage we were trying to escape. Onesimus was a slave on the run. The Bible tells us Paul took him in. Paul took him in. Paul told Philemon, he's my son. He used to be unprofitable to you, but now he's profitable to you and to me. I want you to see something this morning about the love of God. Paul stands as a type of Christ this morning in our text. Onesimus was wrong in leaving. And like I said, we do not understand the details. The Bible does not tell us that. But what we do know is that Onesimus had broken his part of the deal. And I want you to understand something. Paul just took him in. Paul didn't send him back. Paul didn't say, you go back and you make it right and then you come. Paul took him as he was, a runaway slave, somebody that was running for his life, 
somebody that was fearful, somebody that was guilty, somebody that had a debt that they owed to somebody else. Paul took him in and he, and, he, and he shared with him the truth of Jesus. And we know that by the time this letter was written, that Onesimus was a different man because he saw the love of God in the Apostle Paul. That Onesimus had been born again. He was now not just a changed man, but he was a child of God. He was a son of the Most High. He was different forevermore. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God will take you in as you are. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people that they say they want to get into the church, but they got to change this, got to clean themselves up, got to do this, got to do that. You've just got to come as you are and let Jesus begin to clean you up. You've got to be willing to just acknowledge, I am filthy. I can never be clean enough. I can never be righteous enough. I can never pay the debts that I really owe. That, 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 that somehow, some way, God's just going to have to take me as I am and begin to work with me here and now. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God will take you as you are. Don't think that you can't come to God until you clean this up or you clean that up. Paul took in Onesimus as he was and he began to work on him and he began to clean him up. He changed him first. And notice then he sends him back to Philemon. You see, there is a time and a place for righting the wrongs in our life. There is a time and a place for going to those whom we've wounded and just being honest and saying, I have wounded you. I have sinned against you. I have hurt you. I have walked out on you. I was wrong. I need forgiveness. There's a time and place for that. But Paul got Onesimus into that place where he was ready to return home, where he was ready to face Philemon and and ask for forgiveness and, and, and come to him and tell him, I'm not the same person that walked out on you. And Paul writes a letter. Here's what we see about love this morning. Love intercedes on our behalf. Love always intercedes. Love is a peacemaker. You see, Paul didn't just want Onesimus saved. He wanted Onesimus saved, and then he wanted Onesimus at peace with those whom he'd hurt and those whom he'd wounded. I'm here to tell you this morning, real, authentic love, real, authentic Christianity, it goes deeper than just me. God wants me to be right with Him, but then God wants me to live in a right relationship with people. God wants me to return to those whom I've wounded and whom I've hurt and whom I've done wrong against and acknowledge that I've done wrong and ask for forgiveness. This is why Jesus said, if your brother has ought against you, Leave your gift at the altar and go and make things right with your brother and then return to the altar and present your gift. Because love not only wants to reconcile us to Almighty God, love not only wants to reconcile us to the Maker of our soul, the Lover of our soul, the Creator of heaven and earth, love wants to reconcile mankind. Love always reconciles. Love is never a divider. God is not a divider. God, God, God is, is a reconciler. It, for each and every one of us here this morning, if God was not a reconciler, we would not be here. Love reconciles. Can I tell you something this morning? Just some practical uh, counsel. If you have friends in your life that try to help, that, that try to keep you at odds with other people. You need to get rid of them. 
They don't love you. Trust me, they don't love. That's not love. It might be their definition of love. It might be this world's messed up, wrong, twisted, deceitful definition of love. But we learn from God Almighty that love is a reconciler. That love, it works on our behalf. This is why Jesus would say, blessed are the peacemakers. If you don't have peacemakers in your life, if you have people that are constantly trying to keep you at conflict with people in your life and stirring up the pot, you need to get those people out of your life. They don't love you. They don't want what's best for you. And they don't want what's best for those people they're trying to keep you at odds with. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. That's what real love does. I think I'm just going to camp here for a little bit. We can be so deceitful that we deceive ourselves. We call it tough love. That's what we like to call it, tough love. Next week, I'm probably preaching the sermon titled Tough Love. But tough love isn't what you and I call tough love. Tough love is when a man bleeds out his life on a cross all by himself for the very people that are standing there mocking him and, 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 and teasing him after they nearly beat him to death. That's what tough love is. We call tough love... We, we become deceitful. When we, we, we like to call it accountability, right? We're just trying to hold people accountable for their actions. There's a difference between loving somebody and, 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 and honestly caring for them and honestly trying to help them and then withholding love under the false disguise of accountability. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be very careful of people in your life that are always telling you about everybody else's sins so that you can... Pray about it. Why didn't God reveal it to you? Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's why. One of the greatest problems in the modern day church is the lack of love. Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. One of the worst, I'd have to say, is probably the greatest cancer in the modern church, a lack of love. We are the people of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 who we do all sorts of things and we, we, we work on missions and we give of everything that we have, even to the point of our bodies being burned, if you will, to, to all that we have. And we become deeply spiritual. As Paul said, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, he said this, but if I have not love, I am nothing. Without love, we're nothing. Nothing. Not 10%, not 20%, not half. Zero. I asked us this morning, are we ruled by love? Do we, do we really have love for one another? Do we really have love for the brethren? Do you really have love for those people in your life that have, that have done you wrong, that have turned on you? Because love always intercedes. 
Love works on our behalf. Love works to reconcile others together. See, love is an arbitrator. You know what an arbitrator is? An arbitrator is somebody that gets in the middle of it. you got a problem with you. And an arbitrator gets in the middle and says, how can we work this thing out? That's what love is. Have you ever loved two people that hated each other? Have you ever been stuck in the middle? And all that you really wanted so bad was to help this one see this one's side and help this one see this one's side so that somehow they could have some compassion and some humility and some forgiveness for one another and that somehow they could begin to love each other the way that you love both of them. I'm here to tell you this morning, that's how God looks at His church. That's how God looks at you and I. He wants us to love each other. And He's working as an arbitrator on our behalf. In the first sermon of this series, we looked at the reality that love is a game changer. That was certainly true in the life of Onesimus. Love transformed his life forever. He was a slave on the run, always looking over his back, wondering if possibly somebody around knew who he was. If possibly somebody around knew that he was an escaped slave, always careful probably using a different name at times until he knew he was safe in certain locations and that nobody really knew uh, that, that he was a runaway slave. And love found him right where he was. I wasn't looking for love when it found me. I didn't know I needed love. I didn't know I had a problem in my life that was, was as great as it was. And as a slave to my own sins... As a slave to my own base lusts, there love found me and transformed me forever. And Paul says in verse 16 that you would receive him no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. See, love changes things, it transforms us. Love will take you from being a slave and turn you into a son. Love will take you from being a runaway, a runaway slave that is, that is trying to somehow get away from the consequences of your actions. It'll take you in as you are and then change you forevermore. Paul said he's profitable. He's profitable. I'm sending him. This is what Paul basically said. He said, I wanted to keep him. I really wanted him around here. But there's two things involved here. Number one, I knew that he had something to make right with you. And so, me being aware of that, I did not want to do it without your permission. He said, but more importantly, the reality is now that Onesimus is one of us, now that he's your brother and he's my brother, he is profitable. He's profitable to me. And so I wanted to keep him around here because he's a spiritual man. He is on our side. He is changed to the uttermost. And I wanted him with me. I wanted him to help me. But I'm going to send him to you because he will be profitable to you. The Bible says that we were created for good works. That we are the workmanship of God. Listen to the preacher this morning. You are useful to God. You are useful to God. You are useful to God. Don't let this world tell you otherwise. Don't let your failures tell you otherwise. 
Don't be defined by your failures. Don't be defined by your weaknesses. You, as a child of God this morning, if you are saved, blood-bought, born again, you are useful to the Almighty God. Don't think that you're not. Don't let your failures define you. Don't look at your, your past sins and, and, and the fact that, but I once was a slave. I was a runaway slave. I've sinned against Philemon. I've done my family wrong. I've abandoned all that I've known. God says, I've wiped the slate clean through the precious blood of Jesus. I have made you my own. You are now a son and you have a purpose. There is some history that records that Onesimus went on to be the bishop of the Ephesian church, which is where Timothy pastored. That after Timothy uh, either passed on or, or moved on to a different ministry, that, that Onesimus ended up uh, 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 doing the job of Timothy there at the Ephesian church. What are you saying this morning, preacher? It doesn't matter what you came out of. It doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen on the way. It doesn't matter how many times you've been tripped up on the race. It doesn't matter how many times you feel like you've blown it. What matters is that you finished the race. What matters is that when it's all said and done, that you can stand like the Apostle Paul and say, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have ran the race. I have finished the race that God has put before me. I was faithful to God. And when I fell, I got back up and I kept on going because I am useful to God. This slave became a great man of God. You're useful. I want you to think now about Onesimus. It took some courage for him to take these 25 verses. We have them in neat verses. It was just one letter. It, it took some courage for him to put this in his hands and say, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to the people I walked out on. I'm going to go back to the one that I'd done wrong. And I'm going to go look at him in the eyes. I'm going to look him in the face. And I'm going to tell him that I'm sorry. But Paul said, before you go, I'm going to send you a letter. Why the letter? Why not just let him go and trust that whatever happened happened? Why the letter? Paul was a much respected, if not the most respected apostle of this day and time. He was the missionary evangelist. He was the uh, apostolic pastor who went from this city and started a church and life began to blossom and he would instill pastors and deacons and leaders and elders within the church and he'd go to this church and he'd go to this city and he'd go to this city and he'd start church after church. It was through the work of the Apostle Paul. And then he would write letters back to these churches and keeping them uh, in, in check and encouraging them and, and, and he would hear of things going on and so he would write a letter to this church and a letter to this church to address what was going on in the church. He was very, very well respected. And Paul said, if I pin it down, if I pin it down, and this, it's an interesting, this letter is so amazing. Because we know that Paul wrote a lot of things with through someone else. In other words, he, he would speak and have someone write for him. A scribe. Most of the letters of the New Testament are written that way, but not this letter. Paul said in this letter, I am writing, verse 19, with my own hand. 
I'm the one that pinned this out. In his old age, he called himself Paul the Aged. He was a prisoner of Rome. More than likely, this was his first imprisonment. He wasn't in prison very long the second time he was in Rome when he was martyred by Nero. We see that he has his fellow uh, co-laborers with him in verse 23 and 24. And so the time, that, that tells us that this was his first imprisonment when he had freedom. But nonetheless, he was, he was an, older, an older man. And he pinned out the letter and said, you take this and put it in your hands and you hand this to Philemon. And you go ahead and have him read it to the church in his house and to all the others there. But this letter is my official, authentic stamp of approval that your life has been changed. That I vouch for you. It is, as the Apostle Paul could say, it is my word in text. It is my word written down for you. Think about the courage it took for Philemon to, or Onesimus to bring that letter to Philemon. And Paul says, Paul says this. <clears throat> He says, I command you, command you, but, but nevertheless, for love's sake, I appeal to you to accept Him as your own. The way you accept me, accept Him. The way you love me, love Him. The way you hold nothing against me, hold nothing against Him. Here's the amazing thing about Christianity. Here's the amazing thing about God. We don't know if Philemon was a disciple of Paul, if he was saved directly through the ministry of Paul. But we see that Paul had the authority to command him to forgive. This is the thing about God. He can command His children to forgive the rest of His children. He has the right to do so. He has commanded us to forgive one another. That if we are unwilling to forgive, then we can't be forgiven. And Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon with that basic truth intact that Philemon, he is now your brother in the faith. You must release him of everything that you feel he owed you. That's real Christian love. No wonder that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us that love holds no record of wrong. Do you hold a record of wrongs? It's not love. It's not forgiveness. Love lets go. And if God loved you and was willing to let go of everything that you have done, how can we not love others and forgive them of everything they have done to us? You see, love covers a multitude of sins. Love will set your slave free. That's what love will do. It's a terrible thing, but I see it in the church. People trying to hold other people slave to them. 
because they don't act like you want them to act or because they failed and you hadn't failed in that area or because they're not like you in this way or because you're different and, 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 and whatever it may be, or you know something nobody else knows and so you hold them captive by what you know. That's not love. That's the opposite of love. Love holds no record of wrongs. And this morning I'm here to tell you the love of God holds no record of wrongs either. Quit beating yourself up for what you did in the past. You can't change the past. Thank God for love. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for forgiveness. Because without it, we'd be doomed. Because you and I can't change what we did in the past. You've got to be willing to leave it all behind and say, I come today. I know that God is faithful and just to forgive our sins if we will confess them. I will confess it. I will call it what it is. I will not hide it from my God. But I have faith to know that because He wrote a letter, I have faith to know that I can come before Him and find grace in my time of need. Because love holds no record of wrongs this morning. Paul told Philemon that Onesimus is no longer a slave. He's your son. And he used to be unprofitable. I don't really know what that means. And again, there's a lot of things we can speculate here. But apparently Onesimus probably told Paul that he wasn't a very good slave anyways. And Paul said, this, this one here, Philemon, your old slave Onesimus, he used to be unprofitable to you. Used to be. But now he's profitable to us. So not only is he a son, he's profitable. And here's what Paul tells Philemon in that statement. You have to believe in the capacity for change. You see, real love, real love, God's love, it believes in the capacity for change. You have to believe He's able to change. You have to believe that there can be something different about this one who walked out on your life, this one who did you wrong, this one who left, and he's, he, he was on the run. He ran into love. He wasn't looking for it, but he ran smack into the middle of it and it changed his life forever. He is now a son. He's now one of us. He's my brother. He's your brother. And Philemon, you have to believe in the ability to change. Can I say something? If you don't believe, in the ability to see love change people. You can't be changed either. You're not near as changed as you think you are if you really believe there's somebody out there that can't be changed. If you think there's a circumstance that God can't change, if you think there's something that's happened that's too big for God to handle, if you think that somebody is so far away that the love of God cannot reach them, that the love of God cannot change them, I'm here to tell you this morning, you, my friend, are not nearly as changed as you think you are. Because love hopes all things. Love will put some hope in you that nothing else will. When the whole world says he'll never be nothing, love has hope. Love says he might not be anything right now, 
But I see in Him what you can't see in Him. Amen. You can give God a hand clap of praise. God loves you. His love is able. His love is changing this morning. You've got to believe in change. And if you can't believe in change for others, then you can't change either. Look at verse 15. For perhaps He departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive Him forever. Perhaps He departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive Him forever. It was Paul who said, For God takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's not to say that our sins are good. That's not to say that that when we run out on people we should not run out on, that it's a good thing. It's not to say that God orchestrates our wrongdoings. It's not to say that the Apostle Paul here was somehow condoning what Onesimus did. But Paul says, in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your poor decisions, somehow, someway, maybe, God took it and for this purpose, He used it to change His life forever. He said, Philemon, maybe Onesimus had to leave for a time. Can I tell you, I don't understand it, but sometimes it does just help to leave for a time. To get away from the circumstance. I'm not saying it's right. I've already said that. I'm not saying Paul says it's right. But what I am saying is that God has a way of taking all things and working them out for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Because after it's all said and done, after the story comes to a close, after the book is pushed over and we see the end, we see that Onesimus and Philemon are now brothers, that they're on the same page, that they love each other in a way they never loved each other before. And it would not have happened had Onesimus not ran away. Sometimes you just got to get away so that you can come back better. Sometimes it helps to to get away and get your mind cleared. You know, sometimes because we're sometimes we, we get in the flesh. I've never come down off the stage yet with these new speakers up here, so if I start to squeal, be ready to knock her down. Sometimes it's helpful to remove ourselves from the situation. And it's not that everybody in the situation is wrong. It's not that you're right and everyone else is just messed up. But sometimes when you're in the middle of something and you're so focused on what you think needs to happen and how everybody else is wrong, you can't see straight. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's helpful to just let people go for a while and trust God with them. God will deal with them out there. He wasn't dealing with them in here. I wasn't being able to break through. I've said everything I know to say 400 times, 400 different ways. I wasn't getting anywhere. It was hopeless. I was mad. He was mad. They wouldn't listen. 
and it was just conflict all the time, sometimes it's best to just let somebody go and get away for a little while and let God deal with them where they're not in the middle of it and, and just trust God as we pray and as we seek God and we pray for those people that somehow God will reach them in a way I wasn't able to reach them, in a way that you weren't able to reach them, and that maybe for this purpose they've gone off for a while so that when they come back, we can receive them forever. Paul said, maybe for this purpose. I know it wasn't your, your plan. I, I know you didn't like to see him walk out. I know, I know, I know you didn't, but, but the thing is that now, now that it's done, he's learned some things he wasn't going to learn otherwise. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm hard-headed. I am. I might be the only one in here, but sometimes I'm hard-headed. I don't care what you have to say. I know. I know it better than you. You don't live my life. You haven't been where I have. You don't see what I see. You don't know the whole story. And so your opinion don't matter to me. Even if you're right and I'm wrong. And sometimes I just have to get away and let God deal with me and learn some stuff I'm not going to learn anywhere else. And I hate it, but it's the truth. And sometimes people get hurt. And sometimes people get done wrong. That's why we need love. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Because love is willing to forgive. Because love is willing to set free. Because love says, come back in and let's just make the past the past. And let's just go on and let's love each other and let's be who we're supposed to be. Sometimes you've got to go away for a little bit so you can come back better. I've watched God take some of the most horrific instances and use them, just turn that thing on its head to bring people closer together. Things that would drive people apart. I've seen God take terrible situations in marriages that most marriages would fall apart and would go their separate ways. But love just said, I can't let go. Love just said, I've got to keep believing. And, and, and because of what happened, even though if we could rewind it, we would rewind it. But because of what happened, now somehow, some way, our love has grown deeper. We are more committed. We are more focused. We are more intentional about building this marriage. And God takes what was meant for evil and flips that thing on its head and turns it out for our good. I've seen it happen in relationships between parents and children and brothers and sisters, family. Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. I want to encourage you parents this morning that maybe you've got young Teens, and they, and, and oh, you've got, you've you've got kids that are still young, and and they're not teenagers, but they act like they are, and they don't want they don't want anything to do with church, they don't want anything to do with God, they don't want anything to do with you, and you feel like you raised them up, and you trained them up, and you taught them up, and now they're gone. Hey, don't give up hope. Love never gives up hope. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Sometimes people just got to go and learn for themselves. You keep believing. You'd be like the prodigal father who's standing on the front door just waiting for your child to come home. Love hopes all things. Maybe they've departed for a season. 
so that when they come back, you can receive them forever. Last thought this morning and I'm done. Why the letter? Onesimus could say, don't just take my word for it. I've got a letter to prove it. I'm a changed man right here. It says so. Don't just take my word. Trust the letter. It's interesting this letter was actually brought into the canon of the Bible. It is a picture of the letter. It's a big letter. It has a lot to say. But this old slave, this old sinner, this man who once was controlled by my passions and my lust and who cared nothing for this world and was on the run for my life, love found me. And there's a letter that's on my behalf. It's authoritative. If you don't believe that a man can be changed, my letter says that a man can. If you don't believe that my sins can be forgiven, this letter tells me that the blood covers my sins. It tells me that there's forgiveness in Christ. It tells me that I can't outrun the love of God, that death, nor height, nor angels, nor principalities, nor, nor powers, or life, or things to come, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. It tells me that God will not leave me or forsake me, that He is always with me. It tells me that I have an advocate, and this morning I can stand, and I can face you face to face, and I can tell you that I'm free. I can tell you that I'm saved. I can tell you that I'm changed. But don't just take my word for it that it's possible. I've got the authoritative letter of heaven and earth penned by God Himself. His love has changed me forever. Paul said, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. If he owes you anything, charge it to my account. He says, I'll pay for it. I pray that God gives you spiritual ears to hear what I'm saying right now. These are spiritual words to a spiritual people. How can you hold somebody at debt for something that's already been paid? How can you accuse somebody of owing you something that has already been paid? Paul said, anything that he owes you, charge it to me. And when Jesus hung on Calvary, and bled out His blood for us, and breathed His last breath. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin. He thus took upon all the sins, not just as a accumulative nature, but every sin, every individual sin, every lie, every evil thought, every evil deed, every wicked thing ever done. Each sin He took upon His shoulders and He paid for them on Calvary's cross. 
And when we come to Him and find salvation and healing and wholeness through Him, He has forgiven us of all of our sins, but not only us. He has forgiven our brothers and our sisters. He has paid for the sins of this world. And this morning, how can we hold somebody to an account for something that's already been paid? When you feel like somebody owes you something, Jesus says, just charge that to me. I paid for it. When you feel like somebody's done you wrong and somebody's hurt you, Jesus says, just charge that to me. Just charge it to me. Put it on my bill. Put it on my tab. Put it on my account. It's paid for. Paid in full. Done with. How can I any longer hold you account? How can I any longer hold you and ask you to pay for something when Jesus says, just charge it to me? He's the one that's paid for it. I'm telling you, love sets us free. Love changes us. Love will turn a slave into a son. This morning, have you embraced the love letter? This morning, have you come to God? This morning, are you Onesimus? Are you Philemon holding debts against others? This morning, God commands us to forgive and be forgiven. As our worship team comes, this morning as love sets you free. This morning, maybe you are that slave running from lie to lie to lie, trying to escape your world, trying to escape the consequences of your sins, trying to escape the consequences of your actions. And this morning, love has come to set you free. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do you need set free this morning? Maybe you're here and you're holding debt or holding others in debt to you. And God is, is dealing with your heart. Let it go and let it go forever. And finally, Jesus says, charge it to my account. Father, I pray that you'd help us to love you this morning. Help us to love one another. Help us to get a picture of how much you love us. That you take us in and you change us first. Then you help us to make things right with the people in our lives. God, I pray this morning love would heal, that love would set free, that love would give birth to hope. God, that love would move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.